Now let's turn together, please, to God's Word. God's Word in Matthew chapter 26, please. Matthew chapter 26 and the verse 36. Matthew 26 and the verse 36. And we read, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. They came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude, with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they came, then came they, and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And the reading of first fifty men, O God, well bless the reading of his own word to all of our hearts. Let's bow together in a word of prayer with our Bibles open, that the Lord might uh, speak to us through his word. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. For thy word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Scriptures that are able to make us wise unto salvation. Though our God, we thank thee for our Saviour, the one alone who could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And now, Lord, we pray that as we turn to thy word, Lord, that the Spirit of God might illuminate the sacred page, though that the speaking voice of God will be heard. Lord, should there be any in the meeting here tonight not saved, but even tonight, Lord, they might respond to the invitation and come and receive Christ 
as their Savior. So Lord, abide with us and help speaker and listener alike with the aid of thy Spirit. And we'll be careful to give thee all the praise, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, if any more certain, I want to draw your attention to a question that was asked in the last verse of our scripture reading. And it says, And Jesus said unto Judas, Friend, wherefore art thou come? There's just that very simple, straightforward question. When the Lord Jesus looked at Judas and he said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Many years ago in the days of C.H. Spurgeon, there was another great contemporary preacher by the name of Dr. Joseph Parker, a man who was very intellectual, a great expositor of the Word of God. On one occasion, a young man came to him and he said, Dr. Parker, I have a question, and I wonder could you help me with it? I find this question very difficult to understand. And he said to the young man, well, what is your question? And the young man looked at the old preacher and he said, Well, my problem is this. I can't understand why the Lord Jesus Christ ever chose Judas Iscariot to be one of his disciples. And the old doctor paused and he thought and then he looked the young man straight in the eyes and he said, Young man, I have a far greater problem than that. And it's simply this, why did the Lord Jesus ever choose me? And so it is that it's one of those questions that we have in the word of God. Why did the Lord Jesus ever choose Judas Iscariot? Now there are many answers can be given to us from the word of God. You remember how that the psalmist said, mine own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. And in that messianic psalm, we have there the foretelling of what Judas was going to do that night when he betrayed the Lord Jesus for the pieces of silver. Another reason why I believe the Lord chose Judas was to remind us that a man can have regen a man can have religion without regeneration. Judas Iscariot had plenty of religion. He professed to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He followed him for three and a half years. He was an eyewitness of the masters and miracles and he saw Christ uh, doing wonderful things. And yet he had so much religion, but he was never really born again of the Spirit of God. Remember earlier in one of the Gospels, the Lord said, I have chosen you, and one of you is a devil. And the Lord knew from the very beginning who the traitor was and the man that would betray him. But as you look at this question here, friend, wherefore art thou come? It has been called love's final appeal. When for the last time, the Lord appeals to the soul of Judas. And what it must have meant, that psychological moment, with eyes of fire penetrating into his soul, and the words of Christ, friend, wherefore art thou come, a burning like acid uh, in his heart, 
My, it must have really shook uh, Judas Iscariot when the Lord looked at him and he said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And that word friend there just doesn't mean an acquaintance. It means, as the psalmist said, mine own familiar friend, someone who was familiar with Christ, as we've already stated, knew the privilege of following him and being with him for three and a half years. And I want to look just very simply at that question and apply it in different ways as we uh, consider it in the light of God's word. Friend, wherefore art thou come? And the first question I would ask is this, friend, have you come to receive him? You know, that's the good news of the message of the gospel of Christ. It's extra good news that you as a sinner on the broad road to a lost eternity can stop, repent of your sin, and you can receive Jesus Christ as your own and personal saviour. Now you'll remember the apostle John reminds us in John chapter 1, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to his many, listen, as receive him, then give a power to become the sons of God. And a true, genuine Christian is a person who can look back to a moment, to a time in their life's experience when they received Jesus Christ by faith as their Savior. You know, some years ago over in Sandy Road, there was a Sunday school prize giving. It was in a little brethren gospel hall and they were giving out the prizes and the names were on the prizes, on the books and the superintendent was calling out the names and one by one the children came up to receive their prize. And then something unusual happened and the superintendent called out this prize is for whosoever will. This prize is for whosoever will. And there was a silence and nobody moved. And then one wee boy nudged the other and he said, you know that word whosoever, it means me and it means you. And he said, is that right? And as quick as a flash, he went up to the front and he put out his hand. And the superintendent said, but son, I didn't call your name. He said, no, sir, but you said whosoever, and whosoever means me. And you know, that's the glorious message of the gospel tonight. Whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm so glad as a teenager, 17 years of age, in the Emmanuel Hall in Rosalind Street, I made that decision to receive Christ as Saviour. You know, I went along with our family. There was, nearly forget sometimes, uh, there was eight boys and one girl. There was nine of us. And um, we used to go along to the children's meeting. And there was wee John Phillips. And he was one of these men who spoke with a wee whistle in his voice. And when he was speaking, he would say, Now, boys and girls, sit up in your seats. And uh, I was always fascinated with wee John Phillips. 
And in those days, nobody in the street had a television. And that's hard to believe, but I can remember that. I remember a wee woman, and she got a television in another street, and she charged you a penny to come in and to watch children's hour. And we went up, and we were fascinated and paid the penny. But anyway, we, John Phillips, would uh, speak to us from the flannel graph, and he would give to us the message. And then that night, an evangelist came to Rosalind Street, Johnny Bassanier, a converted dance band leader, trumpet player. And I went along to the meeting. And that night as they were singing, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. And it was there and then, on the back seat, I made life's greatest decision, and that was to receive him whom to know as eternal life. And I went back into the bakery, and you know at break time, I love to get down to the card school, play poker. And I can still remember it all to, the, to this very day. And the fellow said to me, Big Tommy and the boys, well, we'll give you a week and you'll be back with us. We'll give you a fortnight, and then they give me a month, and then glory to God, they give me all together. Do you know why? Because God gave me eternal life. Oh, thank God. Friend, wherefore art thou come? You can receive Christ as your own and personal Savior. But then, friend, wherefore art thou come? Maybe you're here tonight and you're backslidden, and the Lord would say to you, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Have you come to reclaim him? Have you come to reclaim him? You know, it's true to say that in every service there's three kinds of people. There's those who are unsaved, there's those who are saved and go on with the Lord. And sad to say, there's those who once walked with the Lord and are backslidden, and they're like Simon Peter, and they're following afar off. Do you ever think of that lovely story that we have in John's Gospel, or in Luke's Gospel? Do you remember when the Lord went with Mary and Joseph as a young boy to the temple? And there he sat down with the doctors and the teachers of the law. And then at the end of the day, Mary and Joseph made their way back home again. And the strange thing was this, that in Luke chapter 2 we read how that they went on a day's journey on the road home and Joseph thought he was with Mary and Mary thought he was with Joseph and the result was they left him behind. Now, that's a very simple thing to do and I'll tell you why. You see, the man travelled with a man and Mary thought, well, he's with Joseph and the man and the other boys. And the woman travelled with the woman and Joseph thought and took it for granted, well, he's with Mary and with the woman, he's with his mother. But he was with none of them. And so they had to make the return journey back to Jerusalem to find the Saviour. And I want you to notice this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, or 48 rather. And it says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold thy father, and I sought thee sorrowing. And here's the lesson. You get a relationship without fellowship. They went a day's journey. 
and the Savior wasn't with them. Oh, there was relationship there, but there wasn't fellowship. And the most miserable person on God's earth is a backslider. Somebody who knew the Lord and has got cold and backslidden. Do you see that word sorrowing? Behold thy father, and I have thought thee sorrowing. You'll find it in Luke's gospel with a rich man in hell. And four times it's translated by the word tormented. I am tormented in this flame. And the nearest thing to hell for a Christian on earth is to backslide and to lose the joy of God's salvation. I'll never forget one occasion being sent for to visit a lady. She didn't belong to our church. But I had to go to the mental hospital to see this dear lady. I knew her well. She was a widow woman. And um, when I got to the mental hospital, I was absolutely shocked beyond belief. And she was sitting there in a chair and she was pulling at her hair. And she didn't even know I was there. She was completely out of her mind. And I sat down beside her and I said, Lord, I don't know what has happened. But Lord, I'm pleading the power of the precious blood of Christ on behalf of your child. This is the work of the devil, whatever it is. And Lord, I claim the victory through the blood of Christ for your child. And I went to visit that dear lady for quite a period of time. And then one day she opened up and the tears coming down her cheeks and she said, you know why I'm here? I said, why? She says, God has forsaken me. God has turned his back on me. And I said, dear, dear, what on earth makes you think that? Well, she said, I fell into sin and it was immoral sin. She lapsed into it just on one occasion. She was taking advantage of an old scoundrel. And she said, God wants nothing to do with me. I said, dear, you're acknowledging you have sinned, aren't you? You, you committed wrong. Says the am. I said, now I have good news for you. And I turned her to First John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I confess your sin. Claim the cleansing of the blood. And she did. And you could almost see the change right away you see the problem wasn't a psychological one it was a spiritual one and thank god through the cleansing of the blood my the lord restored to her the joy of her salvation and she went on to live for the lord and the lord restored unto her the years that the locusts had eaten and maybe there's someone in the meeting tonight and the lord would say to you friend Wherefore art thou come? Are you come to reclaim him? Thank God there's a door of hope for the backslider. The Lord's married to the backslider. But then I want to ask you this question again, looking at it from another perspective. Friend, wherefore art thou come? And the question we would ask is this. Not only have you come to receive him and come to reclaim him, but let me ask you the question tonight. Have you come to resell him? Have you come to resell him? You know, in every gospel meeting, where the message of the gospel goes forth, there's people and they commit the heinous crime 
of Judas Iscariot. History repeats itself again and again. And here's Judas Iscariot. And he goes with the high priest and the elders and he enters into a bargain with them and betray, betray the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. And notice this, he never lived to enjoy one of those pieces of silver because he died the death of a suicide. And he went to his own place. And Jesus said of Judas, it would have been better of that man if he had never been born. But the tragedy was for 30 filthy pieces of silver, he was willing to betray the Savior. W.P. Nicholson was an outstanding preacher. I don't need to tell you about the great evangelist. He was blunt more than I could ever tell you. One night he was in a meeting and there was a woman came in and she had her skirt pulled up and her legs wide open and Nicholson came out and he turned like a beetroot and he went over and he shouted, Woman, pull your skirt down and close your legs. Talk about embarrassing you. Then he said, now that we've closed the gates of hell, we'll go on with the meeting. I tell you, we need Nicholas and back today, some of the free churches. It's a shame. Immodesty. Lack of holiness and dress. But all oh, the tragedy of reselling the Savior. And what I was going to tell you was this. One night Nicholas was preaching and he said, there's a man here in this meeting and I want to shake his hand. You've struck a better deal than Judas. And everybody sat there looking around and wondered what's he going to say next. And he said, Judas sold the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And do you know what you're selling for? A packet of cigarettes. I would get saved, but I can't give up the cigarettes. Let me shake your hand, man. You're a better man than Judas. You're selling the Savior for a packet of cigarettes. And down through the years, I've met people, and for various reasons, some people have been the drink. And they would say to me, well, you know, if it wasn't for the old drink, I would get saved. So, you know, old Frank Knox was a great preacher among the brethren. And he had a habit when he was preaching, he always had a glass up at the front and it was coloured. I don't know why it was orange juice, whether you would get that in the brethren or not. But old Frank, when he was preaching, he would flick a wee drop of the water out and the people would watch him. And he would say, there's none of that in hell, you know. No water in hell. And boy, he would really get into the congregation. And you know, that's a tragedy, friend. You could sell Christ for a pint of Guinness. And end up in that place where you're tormented in this flame and there's not a drop of water. I remember being in hospital. There was a wee man lying on the next bed and he said, you know, I'm very friendly with a publican and he's coming up to see me. And this wee man was a real boozer if ever there was one. And he waited and he waited and the publican never turned up. No interest in him. That's a tragedy, selling the Lord for a cigarette, for an ungodly relationship, for some old worldly pleasure. You are willing to damn your soul for all eternity. Friend, wherefore art thou come? Have you come 
to resell them tonight. You know, I think of a business lady. She was in the meeting. She was under conviction. And the preacher was speaking to her about her soul. And he knew she was on the point of decision. And she said to the preacher, I want to ask you something. And it's this. I'm a businesswoman, very successful businesswoman. And she says, a lot of my money doesn't go through the books and I just keep it for myself. The taxman never sees it. And my question is this, that if I get saved and become a Christian, will I have to give that up? Will my money have to go through the books? And the preacher putting the pressure on, he said, yes, dear. You're just like Judas. You have to choose between the silver or the saviour. The choice is yours. And she looked at the preacher and she said, Well, if I've got to make a choice, then I'll choose the silver. And she went out of the meeting into the darkness of the night, just like Judas, turning her back upon her saviour. And the one who died for on the cross. Friend, wherefore art thou come? Have you come to receive him? Have you come to resell him? Have you come tonight to reclaim him? But one final question, and it's this. Have you come to reject him? Have you come to reject him? You know, it's possible that you hear the message of the gospel and you understand the need of salvation. Uh, and you can reject the Saviour. That's what Judas did. In spite of it all, the privileges that he had, and he was the man who kissed the door of heaven, and he kissed the bloody sweat on Christ's face in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was so near, and yet he was so far, and he went out rejecting the Saviour, went out into a lost eternity. And it's possible you've come to this meeting tonight and you've heard the claims of Christ and you can go out of this meeting rejecting the Saviour. When I was a young Christian, 17 years of age, 18 years of age, there were great days in Belfast. And down in High Street in Belfast, the brethren had a big marquee gospel tent and the two evangelists were Harold Paisley and Frank Knox. And I tell you, Harold Paisley was a great gospel preacher. And Frank Knox was a different kind of a man. He didn't have the background of Harold Paisley or the pulpit skills of Harold Paisley. But boy, he could apply the message. And I used to go down to the tent and I loved to hear uh, the gospel being preached. And one night I was there... And Frank Knox came out with a statement. Never heard anybody else say it since it. And he said, you know, there's people here tonight in this meeting. And what you would do for your dog, you won't do for Jesus. And you know, my ears picked up. They said, what on earth does the preacher mean? Then he went on to explain. And he said, you know, if your dog come, comes to the door, what do you do? You get up and you open the door and you let the dog in. And he says, the Lord Jesus comes with a nail, here's hand, and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And he said, what you would do for your dog, you're not prepared to do for Jesus. You reject him and you refuse to let him in. Maybe there's someone like that in the meeting tonight. I don't know. God knows your heart. The Lord's given you a final opportunity. You know, the Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you're sowing the seeds of rejection. And one day you'll reap the harvest of rejection when the Lord will say to you, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Listen, God is not mocked. God says, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. You just can't do what you like. Whatsoever you sow, eventually, one day, you will reap. Friend, wherefore art thou come? Oh, may God give you grace tonight and to receive Christ if you're not saved. And if you're a backslider, get back to the cross. And thank God he's the God of the new beginning. Let's just bow together in a short word of prayer. Father in heaven, we pray now, Lord, that you would bless thy precious word uh, to each one of our hearts. Friend, wherefore art thou come? O oh God, give us Holy Ghost honesty in the meeting tonight. And grant, Lord, should there be one not saved, maybe an outward profession, but no possession, Oh, God, help them to flee to Christ. Lord, should there be a backslider tonight in the meeting? Lord, you know how miserable they are. And we pray, Lord, that even tonight, that you'll give them the grace of repentance to seek the Lord and to return to him. Thank you, Lord, for your promise. Return unto me, and I will return unto thee. Now, Lord, bless us in our final message and song, for we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen.